Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is D, and welcome to episode 13 of the Benzo Free Podcast. You know, one of the things you might not know about the podcast or about me is I actually script a lot of what I say here. It's all my own. I write all of it. But I don't just wing a lot of it. Maybe about 25-30% of what I say I wing. But the rest is written down. Part of this is, of course, due to my withdrawal. I get tongue-tied. How many of you have that one? (laughs) sure more than a few but I get tongue-tied I don't think on my feet like I used to I used to teach at college and I would teach screenwriting um, at different conventions across the country and and I would love being in front of a crowd and I still do and I look forward to getting back and doing more public speaking especially on the topic of benzos and helping people out but I'm not quite as good on my feet as I used to be It's really strange, and it's difficult to kind of fathom sometimes that my brain doesn't fire as quickly. It doesn't change gears as quickly. It's amazing when my wife is talking to me in the kitchen lately, and I'm making something for dinner, okay, cooking something up in the skillet, and she's telling me a story. And about 30 seconds in, I have to tell her to stop because I can't do both. Never had to do that before. It is just weird. And a bit scary. The good news is that, cognitively speaking, I am better than I was. And some clarity has been coming back to me more and more. But I still get overwhelmed. And I'm still pretty much averse to multitasking. It's difficult for me to do more than one or two things at the most at a time. And I think that ties in with being tongue-tied. Is It's hard for me to talk and think of what I'm going to say at the same time. And the reason I mentioned this up front is that I am actually winging this intro for the very first time. I have no notes. I'm just talking to you. I'm trying it out. I don't know how it's going to come out, but I'm hoping it comes out well. But I'm kind of excited about it because maybe I'm getting a little better. Anyway, I appreciate you working with me on this one and on this intro. And and for those of you who have similar cognitive issues, I get it. I'm in this with you. But I can tell you that I am finding little pieces of me returning every day. Well, maybe not every day, but 
maybe every week, at least every month. And after almost five years off benzos, I'll take it. That's pretty cool. Now to the part that I did script. Um, just in case you forget the best part of this intro, please tell me what you think. Um, I still need your comments. I really do. You know, I say this every time, but it's your feedback, your stories, comments, corrections, whatever you have. I really value these. There's some days I get zero. Other days I get three or four. But they all really help me. Please, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know any suggestions you have, any ideas you have, or tell me your story. I still need stories. I have one or two in the queue, but I'm starting to run out again, so I need more stories. I think sharing your story on this podcast is vital to you and to the people listening to it. So please, let us know your story. So if you have feedback for us, please go to our website at benzofree.org slash feedback, and you can fill out our feedback form, or even mail us at podcast at benzofree.org. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. Please remember that the Benzofree podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. And if you are listening to this podcast on one of our providers, please leave feedback on that carrier. This helps new listeners find us. Today we will follow our usual format. We will start off with the introduction, then we'll have our mailbag, Benzo News, Benzo Spotlight, and Story. And this will be followed by our feature, which today is Benzo Bad Guys, Anger, Aggression, Depression, and Obsession. Okay, let's move on. And that brings us to the mailbag. The first one is actually a correction from Hendy in Jakarta, Indonesia. When I started his story last week, I took us on another tour of that interesting province. But there was one problem. You see, Hendy isn't from Jakarta. <laughs> He's actually from Balikpapan in East Borneo. It's not even on the island of Java, as I said it was. Now, first, I want to apologize to Hendy. Not exactly sure what happened. Um, all I can think is, as I research Indonesia... Jakarta kept popping up on screen, and I must have gotten it in my brain that, that you were from there. So, my mistake, and I'm really sorry for that confusion. Now, in, in my defense, Hendy has mentioned that he has been to Jakarta a few times. So, you know, maybe that counts for something. <laughs> in fact, one of the trips there was to help him find out about his diseases from benzos. So, But, you know, he doesn't live there. He lives in Balikpapan. Now, I'm not going to do a whole tour here. But just let me say a few real quick things. Balikpapan is actually one of the most popular tourist destinations in Indonesia. It's a port city on the island of Borneo. While it still is a chief exporter of oil, it is also famous for its beaches and mountains and thick, lush forests. In fact, its climate is similar to that of a tropical rainforest, with highs year-round in the 90s Fahrenheit or 30s Celsius. It sounds like a real fascinating place, and I'm really glad that Hendy took the chance to share it with me. Thanks, Hendy, for correcting me. I appreciate the chance to learn a bit more about the region. Best always. Our next item is a comment from Jenny in New England, USA. Jenny writes, quote, I just listened to episode 11, and it was fantastic. I plan on listening to all of them. Concerning Benzo Belly, 
A big problem many of us face is yeast overgrowth that you may characterize as inflammation. But there is very strong correlation between seeing white or what is called geographic tongue, not necessarily thrush, and candida in the intestines. Discovering this was a game changer for me, but I unfortunately also had the pelvic floor and urinary issues that weren't as easily overcome. Just time. Nine long months and I am slowly recovering after three and a half years on one milligram of clonopin and as needed use of Ativan for 10 years prior. Barely survived acute. Thank you for doing this. End quote. Thank you, Jenny. I, I was very intrigued by what Jenny mentioned in her comment, and I did a little more research on candida overgrowth, especially in the digestive tract. For those of you who don't know, candida is a type of yeast or fungi commonly found in small amounts in the mouth, intestines, and on the skin. It can cause a variety of symptoms, some of which are also common in withdrawal. I'm looking into this further, and anything I learn, I will add it to our website. Thanks again, Jenny, for the helpful comment. And that ends our mailbag. Let's move on to our Benzo News. Here are the highlights from last week. Last week was Caregiver Week at Benzo Free, and some of our stories fed that topic. So, On Monday, April 1st, we posted an article from BIC titled The Challenge of Going Off Psychiatric Drugs from the New Yorker. The full-length article, which was included in the print edition of the magazine, which came out on April 8th, shares the polydrug story of Laura Delano, which many of us will find quite familiar. On Wednesday, April 3rd, we released episode 12 of the podcast, Conversation with a Caregiver, where I was blessed to interview my wife and caregiver, Shanna, and share some of the lessons she shared in my book. Also on Wednesday, I shared an interview Jocelyn Peterson did with Dr. Stephen Wright. He is on the board of the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices. The interview was posted on Jocelyn's YouTube channel, Benzobrains. On Thursday, April 4th, as part of Caregiver Week, I posted a blog article titled 10 Tips for the Caregiver. It highlighted some advice to help the caregiver through this difficult time and announced a new page on our website dedicated to support this thankless job. On Friday, April 5th, Benzodiazepine Information Coalition posted an announcement that they will be attending NCAD East in August of 2019. NCAD, or NCAD, is the National Conference on Addiction Disorders. The last day of this conference will have a full day on benzodiazepines. Let Bic know if you are planning on attending. And on Saturday, April 6, I came across some new research on benzo use in pregnancy. And rather than just reposting it, I combined it with some other research into a blog post. I hope it was helpful. And that wraps up the week's news from last week. And please, if you know of any other great articles or news you would like us to cover, please tell us. We are always looking for news about benzos, dependence, recovery, or any related subject. Let's move on to the spotlight. Today's spotlight shines on Benzo Buddies. If you haven't heard of Benzo Buddies, you might be new to the Benzo community. <laughs> Benzo Buddies is the single largest online discussion group for benzodiazepine recovery. It was founded by benzo survivor Colin Moran. There have been over 2.8 million posts on this site since its founding. There are currently almost 56,000 listed members. Even though many of those might be inactive, 
Those who remain active provide a treasure trove of resources for the Benzo patient. Benzo Buddies' mission statement reads as follow, quote, Benzo Buddies is an inclusive, non-judgmental, mutual support environment for those who wish to withdraw from benzodiazepines. Members of the Benzo Buddies community are encouraged to exchange ideas, information, and support during this process of withdrawal and recovery. Although outside the immediate scope of Benzo Buddies, members are free to discuss their wider medical problems and needs as they relate to benzodiazepine use and withdrawal. Taking or quitting any medicine, including benzodiazepines, should be a personal decision made in consultation with a suitably qualified medical practitioner. Through a peer support model, we strive to help members achieve their goals. End quote. The heart of the Benzo Buddies is the online forum. This forum is divided into several different categories. Some of these include general substitution and titration taper plans, sections on anxiety, insomnia, depression, general health, alternative therapies and supplements, benzos in the news, how to keep positive, and overall withdrawal and post-withdrawal support. Benzo Buddies is worth checking out if you haven't already. But as with all discussion groups, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Benzo Buddies is a patient-driven site. The opinions of people in distress can be quite strong and, and need to be understood in the context of their opinions and struggles. Always remember that everyone's experience is different. And just because someone found their holy elixir for recovery doesn't mean that it will be yours too. Also, keep in mind that information provided on these sites, much like on our site, is not to be considered medical advice. And one more thing, a kind of general trigger warning about all discussion boards. Please remember that the stories shared on these boards are not a fair representation of typical withdrawal experiences. Most people who have benign or mild withdrawal do not post on boards. Thus, discussion boards can give a skewed version of the average experience. So please, do not spend too much time on these sites if you are concerned about being triggered by horror stories and symptoms. It might be wise to wait until you are in a stronger state of mind. There is a lot of good information on Benzo Buddies, and it is still one of the key resources within the Benzo community. Go take a look at their forum list and the categories of topics, and, and dig in and you might learn a few things. Thanks again to Benzo Buddies and all the good work they've done. You can visit them at benzobuddies.org. And that brings us to Benzo Stories. Story, story, story. <laughs> Just having fun. Today we have a story from Mary in Long Island, New York, USA. Mary's story is that of a caregiver. I thought sharing it today would be a nice closing element, you know, of our caregiver week that we brought to you last week. First, I do want to clarify something. In Mary's story, she asked to remain anonymous, as you will hear, but later she did email me and told me to share her first name and the location as Long Island, just so you don't think I shared her name despite her wishes. <laughs> so, let's take a look at Long Island. First of all, there is the infamous drink, Long Island iced tea, that came to mind, and I pulled up as soon as I started to look through things. Now, I realize that most of you are abstaining from alcohol, and wisely so, but I do remember the days when I drank more freely, and I recall a Long Island iced tea or two in my history, and a couple that may have knocked me on my butt. In fact, 
when I looked them up, one site defined the drink as one hot mess of a drink, <laughs> which I think is quite appropriate, but I digress. Sorry. Now, I, I've been to New York City many times, usually for work, but occasionally for pleasure. And since I usually flew into LaGuardia, I would drive through parts of Long Island on my way into Manhattan, although it was mostly through the boroughs. Now, that, along with a lot of Hollywood movies, makes me an expert on Long Island about as much as it does on Balikpapan. But I did want to investigate it a bit. The population of Long Island is almost 8 million people. It is the longest, largest, and most populated island in the contiguous U.S. 118 miles, or 190 kilometers, in total length. It's the home to many famous landmarks and regions like the Brooklyn Bridge, Coney Island, two of New York City's three major airports, Montauk, and, of course, the richly famous Hamptons. New York City has five boroughs, two of which, Brooklyn and Queens, are on Long Island. In fact, more than half of New York City's residents live on Long Island. The rest of Long Island is made up of Nassau and Suffolk counties. And the term Long Island usually refers to those two counties and not the boroughs. With miles and miles of beaches and legendary New York City on the horizon, Long Island is a vibrant hub of people, activity, and urban life. Now let's hear from Mary. She says, quote, I just discovered your podcast. I am supporting my husband who was going through withdrawal. As this is not my story to share, I would like to remain anonymous. He is a short-time user who developed symptoms in less than a month of use of Xanax. You stated in your podcast that people should do the taper with medical assistance. We were unfortunate to not have found a supportive doctor. We started the taper on our own while trying to convince the doctor that we were not comfortable adding the added Rx meds he was strongly pushing, antipsychotics and antidepressants. He would not listen to what we had to say about Ashton. He threatened to drop my husband as a patient if he didn't take the new meds. I researched the benzo boards and websites. One had a doctor close by, but he had been retired for years. Another site had no doctors at all in the state of New York. This journey started in March of 2018. We downloaded a chart to help with the dosages of a liquid taper. As of October 19, 2018, he has been so free. The taper was quick, and the milligram of Valium Rx he was given was not equivalent to that of Xanax. It was a very difficult road, and his symptoms are still going strong. He will most likely miss the graduation of our children later this year. I am currently looking for a job-prescribing therapist to try to help him. His agoraphobia is a hurdle, but I'm hopeful. It's a very helpless feeling to watch him go through this, knowing there's nothing I can do to help him, besides keeping him fed. Family members and co-workers don't believe that he is sick. They don't believe it's from the drugs. I cringe every time I hear about someone taking these pills. In the emergency room last year, we were in the curtain next to a woman who was given Valium, as well as pain meds after a fall, prescribed as a muscle relaxer. I wanted so badly to tell her not to take them. 
So many argue. I've been on them for so long, and I'm not having any problems. People just don't want to know. They trust their doctor as we did and as you did. It's a really sad thing. I am comforted that at least my children are informed. They weren't able to discourage their friends from taking them, but at least they will not suffer like this themselves. I wish us all good health and a pain-free future ahead. End quote. Oh, thank you, Mary. I really appreciate you sharing that with me today and with us today. And I'm so sorry that you and your husband are going through the struggles you are. It's bad enough to go through this problem. But on top of that, to have no support from the medical community. And then on top of that, to have just disbelief and scorn. It's just this triple effect that makes our lives so incredibly hard. I'm really glad you shared with me today. Thanks. And that brings us to our feature, which today is Benzo Bad Guys. Anger, Aggression, Depression, and Obsession. <laughs> Do you like my rhyming there? That was fun. Today we are returning to our series on symptoms once again. We, we first covered anxiety and then abdominal symptoms. Today we cross back over to psychological symptoms once again. The psychological symptom groups of benzo withdrawal include anxiety, behavioral, cognitive, excitability, perception, sleeping, and social. Today, we're going to talk about behavioral. These include anger, irritability, aggression, depression, obsessions, and suicidal thoughts. Our exploration of these symptoms will include information for the patient and for the caregiver. And before I dive in too deep, I do want to say a few things up front. If you or someone you know are having thoughts of suicide or violence against themselves or others, please get help. There are resources all around the world to help in these situations. As for suicidal thoughts, we've listed several resources on our website. You can view those at benzofree.org slash resources. Just click on the Suicide Prevention tab on the right. On this page, we've listed resources for the U.S., U.K., and Canada, in addition to several international directories for other countries. Please remember to always take suicidal ideation seriously, especially during benzo withdrawal. And as for thoughts or acts of violence, these need to be taken as seriously the first concern in any situation of this type is safety for all concerned. If you are feeling violent or you sense that someone you are with is becoming violent, make sure that you and your family are safe. Many times it just means pulling yourself out of the situation. Sometimes it means calling the police. After things quiet down and everyone is safe, then you can tackle the issues. And you can do that with professional help. There are a variety of social services in most communities which can help. These can provide counseling or family therapy or shelter, legal support, and much more. Please don't be afraid to get support. These are delicate situations and need to be handled calmly and with the concern of safety for all those involved. Okay, 
So we cover that. Let's move on. You know, anxiety, anger, and depression are actually very closely connected. They, they all have one key ingredient, fear. Fear drives our anxiety. Fear drives our anger. Fear quite often drives our sadness and depression. You see, anxiety is mostly a constant fear of what might happen or what is happening or, or that when something happens, you won't be able to handle it. And anger is also a reaction to fear. It's the feeling that someone or something is threatening you in some way. Perhaps you feel you've been threatened physically or emotionally, or you feel discriminated or disrespected or even disvalued, or, or you just feel that the world has turned against you. These are all based in fear. Fear, fear that you're not valued for the person you know you are. So you get mad or fear that you aren't being treated equally or fairly. So you get even or fear that you're not safe in your own neighborhood. So you sit at your window all night watching the street or even fear that the world is against you and you will be mistreated or abused or even locked up. So you take the first strike. You hurt them before they can hurt you. And depression is no different. In fact, anger can often show itself as depression instead of aggression. Fear exaggerates about the state of our lives, the state of our town, our city, our country, or even the whole world. Fear is a relentless, eternally biased, nonstop propaganda machine. <laughs> and, and if you view the world strictly through its, you know, mud-covered spectacles, everything looks hopeless. I talk about fear a lot on this podcast, and there's a reason for that. Fear is behind most of our destructive emotions. And unless we deal with that fear, we're just kind of treading water, you know? For those of us who go through benzo withdrawal, we have two things working against us. Well, we have plenty others, but I'm going to talk about two things right here. The first is the damage the drugs have taken on our systems. Our brains tell us lies. We get caught in this spider web of irrationality. We aren't thinking straight. And even the smallest thing can scare us. In addition, we can't calm ourselves as efficiently as we used to. So when we do get worked up, we can't let go. And that cycle just builds upon itself. The second is the state of the world right now. I'm not entirely sure about the rest of the globe, but in the U.S. right now, everyone seems to be kind of angry. <laughs> everyone is taking sides and blaming each other, and thus, we all wind up angry and depressed. Rene Garfinkel wrote about anxiety and anger in our modern world in the Washington Times, and I'd like to share some of what she said here. She said, quote, Our way of life promotes anxiety and its consequences. Anxiety makes us fearful. It makes us irritable and therefore easily and excessively prone to anger. Fear and anger are powerful antagonists to reason and reflection. They grab us by our primitive brain and urge us to fight, flee, or freeze. New media, social media, and political leaders command our attention with outrage and alarm. The media's daily reminders to be very afraid and politicians' apocalyptic rhetoric reverberate throughout the internet, 
keeping our anxiety at a constant high level, end quote. And, and thus, those of us living in the world today and dealing with benzo withdrawal, well, we kind of find ourselves in this perfect storm. Let's start talking about depression and obsession, and then we'll move more into anger. During benzo use, people often suffer depression, especially with long-term use. Sometimes it's driven by the underlying condition, such as anxiety or insomnia, but many think that the benzos themselves contribute to depressive episodes in its users. This is especially true when it comes to something called emotional blunting. As I mentioned in my book, I, I can't help but think of Pink Floyd's classic, Comfortably Numb, whenever I hear that term. Now, don't worry, I'm not about to sing it here. Not, not only would you turn the podcast off immediately if you hear me sing, but I would receive a nasty email from the lawyers for Gilmore and Waters, so the authors of that song. But if you know the tune, then you know the lyrics fit the feeling to a T. Emotional blunting is also known as emotional anesthesia. It is quite simply the inability to feel pleasure or pain. It's like you have no emotions. When you're on the drugs, benzos are tranquilizers, and they sedate your emotional responses, sometimes providing this general feeling of being numb. Professor Ashton said this about emotional blunting. She says, quote, Former long-term benzodiazepine users often bitterly regret their lack of emotional responses to family members children and spouses or partners during the period when they were taking the drug, end quote. Callum Moran, who's the founder of Benzo Buddies, which we mentioned, of course, earlier in this episode and can be found at benzobuddies.org, shared his experience a while back in an interview with ABC News. He said, quote, I was a complete mess on benzos, confused, irrational, and unemotional, end quote. While on benzos, Moran decided to end his six-year romantic relationship. Quote, It just felt wrong. When I told her it was over, she told me that the medication had changed me. End quote. After he was benzo-free, a flood of emotions overtook Moran. Quote, I think it was just normal emotions, but it had been years since I experienced them, and so I wasn't used to coping with them. End quote. I and so many of you can relate to Colin's description, and I can do a T. That last statement, he said, is so me. And this can feed depression. For many of us, benzos made us numb. And when we withdraw, the emotional landslide engulfs us. During withdrawal, depression can really come on strong. Anyone who goes through hardships like benzo withdrawal will probably struggle with some form of depression. I took an antidepressant a couple of times prior to starting my withdrawal, more as a preventive measure than anything else. I stopped taking Prozac due to an adverse reaction to it, and I ended the Celexa because I, you know, I, I didn't want another medication inside of me messing things up or, or something else I was going to have to withdraw from at another time. Even though drugs like SSRIs are another medication that may need to be withdrawn from later, sometimes this course of action is the best solution during this challenging time. Please, consult with your doctor if you feel you need help of this type. Depression can lead to suicidal thoughts during withdrawal, and these thoughts need to be taken seriously and managed with therapy, medication, and support as needed. 
Obsessive traits such as OCD may also be increased during withdrawal. M much like anxiety, I was never diagnosed with OCD, but I definitely have the traits. I have an obsessive brain, even without benzo withdrawal. I, I can cling to a negative thought for days, not knowing how to let it go. Obsession can come in so many forms, and all these can be escalated during benzo use and withdrawal. It's, it's important to remember the cause of this increase and to know that they will usually decrease as we start to heal. Keeping that in mind can help us get through the difficult times with depression and with obsessions. Now let's, let's move on to anger and aggression. You know, all of us get angry sometimes. We do. Most psychiatric professionals will agree that, you know, the only difference between the average person and a homicidal killer is the ability to regulate our impulses of anger, aggression, and even hatred. Those of us who aren't guilty of murder are not without ever having that thought. We just didn't act on it. These are normal emotions in every human being. Men, women, children. We all feel hostility and even rage at times in our lives. When taking benzos, that irritability or impulse to lash out can be escalated and even worse, uncontrolled. The inhibitions that help us know the right course of action in certain situations are reduced, you know, much like they are when you're drunk. The number of people who were injured, killed, or incarcerated due to violent acts, which would not have happened if it wasn't for the influence of these drugs, could be staggering. Like I said at the opening, it's vital when dealing with this type of issue that we protect those at risk of harm. But in addition to that, it's also important to maintain compassion and understanding for those who may not be able to regulate their responses due to the effects of benzos or withdrawal. You know, when Halcyon was first taken off the market in Britain, which is another benzo, back in the 1990s, one of the claims was that Halcyon's side effects could be blamed for various criminal actions, including homicide. There are a collection of articles and studies that highlight the connection between benzos, anger, and aggression. Here, here's a quote from an article titled, Psychotropic Drugs and Induced Hostility. It's from an edition of Psychosomatics in 1969, 50 years ago. The article said, quote, we have seen a number of previously quiet patients become assaultive and break up furniture in an office shortly after being placed on chlorodiazepoxide or another benzodiazepine, diazepam. In fact, even acts of violence such as murder have been attributed to the rage reaction induced by these drugs. End quote. That was 50 years ago. In the 1980s, Professor Ashton elaborated on some of the concerns with a bit stronger language in her article, Anything for a Quiet Life, which was published in The New Scientist. She said, quote, Patients may commit uncharacteristic antisocial acts, such as shoplifting or sexual offenses, or becoming aggressive with outbursts of rage and violence. Some researchers have suggested that chronic use of benzodiazepines may contribute to baby battering, wife beating, or grandma bashing, end quote. 
The good news is that while attacks of rage and violent behavior had been reported in people with benzos since they were first invented, most of the time that irritability shows itself in much less threatening ways. Thankfully. But that's while they were on the drugs. During benzo withdrawal, unfortunately, everything escalates. Our calming mechanism has been damaged, which can make it more difficult for us to control our feelings of anger, aggression, and rage. This experience, in fact, is sometimes called benzo rage. Now, before I get too far moving on, I need to clarify something, and, and that is, you know what? Anger is not evil, okay? <laughs> it is a typical human emotion. I'm not saying this is evil. It, anger is there for a reason. And you know what? Suppressing it is not the healthy solution. <laughs> As with all feelings, anger needs to be experienced and felt. As I mentioned above, what happens when we feel anger, aggression, and rage depends on what we do with that emotion. Do we cling to it? Hang on to it? Let it fester in the bowels of our brains? <laughs> or even worse, do we act on it? This is when it can become a serious problem. Anger and its corresponding depression are ongoing symptoms for me. Most of it shows itself as irritability in me. I, I can be short with my wife, my dog, my family, anyone else who comes in my way, and, and I can see it. Sometimes I even see it as it's happening, and I wonder what the hell is going on. I now try to walk away or tell my wife I need space, and I go in the other room, and, and she understands and even encourages me to do so. After several minutes, it fades. And I'm back to my usual, delightful, loving, wonderful self. Well, that's my opinion, at least. <laughs> but it's not just irritability. I also get angry a lot lately. And when I say lately, I mean over the past few years during protracted withdrawal. Now, to put this in context, I need you to understand, I am not an angry person. I've never been. Before Benzos, I was basically a laid-back guy. Sure, I mean, you know, I'd get upset if someone dissed me or there was a news story which I felt was unfair, but I didn't cling to it, I didn't ruminate on it, and I didn't let it ruin my day or my week or my year. That's what happens now. And it comes from a variety of sources, people in my neighborhood or at work or my family. I do the best to handle these, but I sometimes fail. But most of them come from the news. When a story irritates me, I can't let go of it, and it can ruin my day, even my week. It's so stupid. So I don't watch the news anymore. I can't. I can't handle it. And I haven't for a couple of years now. <laughs> no local news, no national news, no news feeds on my phone. Pretty much the only news I pay attention to is Benzo News for my book and the podcast and the website. Now, I don't know that this is my long-term strategy. Maybe it is. I can't say that I feel I've really missed out on anything truly important. But I realize that I can't live my whole life with my head in the sand. Still, even if I return to the world of news, it will be maybe 10 or tops 20% of what I did before. There's just no need for all that negative energy in my life now. 
Instead of displaying my anger externally, like some do, through yelling or violence, my anger turns inward. I get sad. I get grumpy. I get depressed. I get hopeless. This struggle has been with me for some time now, and it's not 24-7. I've had many good days, but I've also had some bad ones. But no matter, underneath it all lies this nudge, this voice which whispers to me, don't forget, this is all unfair, and you're angry about it. And then I start to think about it, and I get mad, and I lose hope, and I get depressed. That's the demon, the danger, the fear. But the truth is, I'm doing so much better than many in Benzo withdrawal. And there's one reason, I think, for that. I learn everything I can about how to manage it. I'm a curious bloke. I, I want to know what's going on. In the world, sure, I don't watch the news, but I do read science and I read books and I learn everything I can. But even more so, I want to know what's going on in my head. <laughs> and most of all, what I can do to improve things there. I'm always looking for ways to improve my life and my happiness. So I read a lot. I mean a lot. <laughs> Reading helped me get through this nightmare. And I found some solutions along the way. You know, Many people are angry at a certain group of people. We see it all the time. It might be immigrants or Christians or Muslims or... You know, blacks, whites, Asians, Mexicans, women, men, gays, conservatives, liberals, straights, blondes, brunettes, or even redheads, like myself. <laughs> Most of us feel one of these groups of people I mentioned are our enemy. Even if just a little bit. Come on, think about it. So here we are, mad at this group of people, whoever they are. You know, perhaps we feel they disrespect us, or discriminated against us, or are judging us, or are taking our jobs, or they're angry at us, or just disagree with us. And what are we doing to them? Well, we start to become angry at them. We start to judge them. That's right. We are now angry at them for being angry at us, or we are now judging them for judging us. Is it just me, or does that sound kind of messed up? That's what happened to me. I found myself judging groups of people for judging me. <laughs> and that just didn't make any sense. I'm doing the exact same thing that they're doing. I'm no better than they are. In fact, in some ways, I'm worse. And on top of it all, I'm a nice guy. I really am. I like people. I don't want to hate anyone. I don't even want to dislike people. I'm a people pleaser. I always have been. In my core, I truly love people. All people. You know, as I mentioned before, um, I read a lot. I, I didn't always. In fact, during benzo use, I barely read at all. <laughs> but during my taper, and especially in the years since, I've become voracious about it. You know, since anger has been a struggle of mine for a few years now, I've read a lot of books on it. Um, a couple dozen, at least. Books of all types. Psychology books, sociology, neurology, even spirituality. And I, I'd like to mention three books today in our episode, or audiobooks, which helped me significantly 
in handling my impulses of anger. One of the most common themes in all of these and many other things I read is how to let go of anger via universal compassion. How to step in the shoes of someone else and really try and understand their struggles and pain instead of judging them. One of the best lessons and one of the hardest for me to learn was to have love for everyone without judgment. Aye, there's the real struggle, isn't it? To love people without any judgment. It's so much easier to say than do, I can tell you right now. You know, if you think you're succeeding at this, just, just stop and ask yourself, do I hate anyone? Or, or even just dislike someone very much. <laughs> now ask yourself, can I love this person? <laughs> it's not so easy now, is it? But like anything, with practice, you can become pretty good at this. So here are three books I found helpful in the area of handling anger in withdrawal. And I've put links of them in the show notes in case you are interested. The first one is one that just came out recently. It's called Book of Joy, and it's told from the point of view of the author Douglas Abrams. And this is a story of two old friends meeting for what most likely will be the very last time. The two friends are His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Bishop Desmond Tutu. This book blends the common teachings from spirituality and science and how they relate to finding joy in our lives. There's so much knowledge and wisdom that these two men have to share. Trust me, it's worth reading about it. The second book, which was key to my recovery and, and one I've read more than a few times, is by the author and blogger Mark Manson. And it was titled, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living a Good Life. Yes, I edited out the F word <laughs> um, so we can try to maintain our PG um, rating on the podcast. So, But I think you can figure it out. A anyway, this book surprised me and really changed my thinking in a few areas. In his book, Manson challenges our personal value systems. I never really thought about my values or, or questioned that they may be right or wrong. But he asks us to take a hard look at our personal values, evaluate where they came from, and see if it's time for a change. He reminds us that our values have changed throughout our lifetime. Just look back. Think about, you know, if for people like me in their 50s, think back to what I believed in my teens or my 20s or even my 30s. I don't have a lot of the same values I did back then. And if they're changing, then how can we say that they're absolutely good or bad or that we're absolutely right or wrong? Manson says, quote, And because you and I and everybody else all have differing needs and personal histories and life circumstances, we will all inevitably come to different, quote-unquote, correct answers about what our lives mean and how they should be lived, end quote. So I, I looked inside myself when I read this book and I questioned some of my values. I mean, if, 
I mean, I kind of think if my value system can't stand up to a bit of self-reflection, then how solid is it really? At the end of the day, I realize that the other person who makes me so irate just has different values than I do. They're not wrong. And I'm not right. We're just different. You know, we both are struggling to make sense of this crazy world that we live in. We're all just doing the best we can. Now, this didn't magically make my anger disappear, and it's probably not going to for anybody else, but it did help ease it a bit. It's only one of several books I've read lately about anger, and, and each one of these has taught me a new lesson that I've added to my toolbox. The third book is from one of my favorite authors, Pema Chodron. If you've not heard of her, perhaps you might check her out. Pema is a Buddhist nun, best-selling author, and director of Gampo Abbey in Nova Scotia. One of her lectures is my all-time favorite when it comes to overcoming anger. It's an audiobook titled, Don't Bite the Hook. It's available on Amazon, and there is a free recording of it on YouTube that I just came across, which, of course, will be in our show notes. This audiobook is actually a recording of a lecture she gave at a weekend retreat. Her, her talk was based on the writings of Shantideva, who was a Buddhist monk from India in the 8th century, and, and his words from that time are just as appropriate today, maybe even more so. And, and Pema's infectious humor and kindness, that audio recording saved me from my own anger time and time again. I have probably listened to that recording 30 or 40 times now. One of the things she says in this talk about the current state of society is that, quote, we are always working with our potential to be bothered, end quote. This one really hit me. I am walking around with a target painted on my back. I found myself sometimes just looking for something to, pardon the expression, piss me off. And if I don't find something obvious, I'll force something trivial to fit the bill. I'll start thinking I know what somebody else is thinking. I'll start to mind read. Does that resonate with you at all? Something happens which wouldn't irritate the average person, but it does us. And it really gets under our skin, and we can't let it go, especially in benzo withdrawal. And unfortunately, as we all know, this is an obsession. Anger can become an obsession. And this obsession and this anger and this hate, it is not a friend to recovery. There's a classic saying that I really enjoy one which is often attributed to Nelson Mandela, Buddha, or even Alcoholics Anonymous, but nobody seems to really know for sure. It goes something like this, quote, Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, end quote. You see, holding on to anger hurts ourselves more than anyone else. Letting go of anger is our only real sensible answer. Unfortunately, during withdrawal, it's that letting go which is a real struggle. It's a real fight. But you know what? It's a fight worth fighting. 
When I started Benzo Free, I made sure I would build it based on compassion and, and even love and never on anger. It may sound trivial or touchy-feely to some. In fact, it does to me. I even cringe sometimes when I say this because it's just not who I used to be. <laughs> but just because I cringe doesn't mean there's not truth in its words. Sure, I get pissed off about things now and then. But now, I always try to calm down and respond from a rational place of compassion whenever I can. Anger and depression are big challenges for so many of us during benzo withdrawal. But they are not challenges without solutions, without tools. Take the time. Learn the tools. Work at finding better solutions. There's very few things that are better uses of your time during withdrawal. Trust me, it is worth it. I mentioned a few books here today. Those are just ones that helped me. There are thousands of books out there on anger or on depression or on withdrawal or on anything else. Find stuff and pick what works for you. Life can be better, but it takes work. I know you can do it. Good luck. And that wraps up our feature. Before we get to our closing, please bear with me for 30 seconds for our disclaimer, which is going to be put in right here. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benson Free Podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind before you return to the chaos of your day. The way this works is that I will give a brief introduction, perhaps a suggestion or something to focus on. Then I'll play a soft bell, which will indicate the start of one minute. This will be followed by another soft bell, which will indicate the end of one minute. And that will be the end of the episode. Feel free to continue to meditate if you choose. If not, continue on with your day. Please remember that you should do this exercise only if you are in a safe place. If you are driving or operating heavy machinery, or any place which is not safe to close your eyes and meditate, then please skip this closing or wait until you are in a safe location. Today we are going to keep with our theme and practice an abbreviated version of meta-meditation. The primary focus of meta-meditation is directing loving-kindness towards ourselves and others. These people can include those we love, those we barely know, and even those who bring us difficulties and lead us to anger. We'll keep it simple today and start with one basic phrase of meta-meditation. We'll learn others in later episodes. Today's mantra starts with, May I be calm. Or if you prefer, may I be relaxed. Just start with yourself at first. 
If you want to branch out and make the same wish for others, maybe a spouse, your child, or even a neighbor, you can add them in at any time. Over time, you may get more comfortable and will even include your perceived enemies. But for now, it's okay to stick with yourself. May I be calm. So let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time, but let's add in the may I be calm or may I be relaxed mantra. Or if you choose a different mantra, use your own. It doesn't have to be in rhythm with your breath. Just do what feels natural. Take another deep breath in, saying your mantra. Then let the breath out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now breathe normally. Remember that if your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to focus on your mantra. No judgment at all. Your mind will wander, and that's okay. Continue to do this for one minute. Our next episode is episode 14, and it will be released next Wednesday. We have another interview lined up for that one, so please, check it out. Thank you for joining me today, and please, let me know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.